I'm not ahead. so good. <laughs> no, I'm not very good either. This is this is probably the least excited I've been to to at least like intro a show maybe ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's parts of it later on I'm looking forward to that I think will be like enjoyable to sort of get off our chest. But as far as uh, basically everything else, I was just I was super not motivated today to to do any sort of prep work. So no, me either. Which is uh, why I did zero. So here we are. <laughs> Yeah, here we are. Uh, here we are, boys and girls. Welcome back to a a somber edition of the South End Zone podcast. Um, so, a little programming note to start off. We had told you guys that this is going to be uh, Bowl Mania Part One, and it was up until uh, basically yesterday. So, we are still going to cover briefly some of those bowl games coming up, and we'll fill you in on some breaking news. But, uh, Jason, outside of that. The, we may as well just title this the the Mike Leach tribute episode. Indeed. It's a sad day on the south end zone and all of college football. I mean, we all kind of, uh, I feel like, took a big L, you know, with this uh, passing of Mike Leach. Any of our listeners, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, then I will fill you in that we are a Mike Leach lover podcast. I mean, we, we're all big fans of Leach and his mannerisms and press conferences and all that kind of stuff. But uh, any of our uh, consistent listeners know this about us. So yeah, man, kind of a, kind of a, just a real drag down kind of, you know, freak thing that happened right at the end of football season, man. And just kind of just puts a real, you know, kind of a shitty end to the season. I don't know. Yeah. There was, you know, as I, kind of prepping this episode, right? So for our listeners, yes, we, we use what we call a script, uh, every week. And it's not necessarily a script of, you know, who's going to say what, uh, like in the traditional <laughs> no. sense, like it's a play or something, but no. we generate a format of the topics we want to discuss and the order we want to discuss them and how in depth we want to go on this topic or that topic. And we had all that ready. And there was, there were some games that up until, like I said, up until yesterday, I was looking forward to. Uh, and I'll still watch them. I just won't be probably as cheerful about it as I would have been otherwise. So we're going to go um, kind of off the script. We'll still cover some of this. So in the breaking news department, Ken Niumatololo uh, was let go by Navy. Uh, Jason, it sounds like immediately after the Army-Navy game, I think I've read one report that the athletic director told him while he was at his locker uh, that he was going to be let go. Yeah, this it's kind of the writing's been on the wall. I feel like um, it has. I don't um, know. I mean, I, th- I, feel, I feel like he probably, you know, because there was some talk a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, when Navy had a really good year of him maybe taking another job. And I start to wonder if, like, maybe he should have instead of sticking around. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, that he was he was 109 and 83 there. Uh, he had six yeah. nine plus win seasons. He was six and five in bowl games, but they've they've been they've been bad. Uh, they're eleven and twenty three the last three years. So yeah. despite his eleven and five record against Army, which is a big deal there, obviously, uh, he's lost five of the last seven against them. So three years ago, I think I want to say they won eleven games and finished the yeah. season ranked, and that might have been yeah. That you know, in retrospect, that might have been the time for him to maybe take advantage of an opportunity. Now, I don't yes. know exactly who Navy thinks they're going to get that's going to be better than him, but uh, you know, they they're like anyone else they they have a standard they want to play to, and they weren't playing to it. So, be curious to see who they go to there. 
Stanford filled their head coaching <laughs> position. They hire uh, they hire Troy Taylor, who is the head coach at Sacramento State FCS school. They uh, they actually just lost to I believe Incarnate Word in a uh, high high scoring game in the quarterfinals. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like the one of the was that the one that was one of the highest scoring games ever. It was like, yeah, it was like sixty three sixty one no overtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he he was an offensive coordinator at Eastern Washington, another FCS school. They set all sorts of records there. Uh, Cooper Cup was a receiver for him there. From oh, there, yeah. he was the offensive coordinator at Utah for a couple of seasons, and then went to Sacramento State, where he was thirty and eight in three years, uh, to include twelve and one this season. So moving on to Stanford, yeah, uh, man, which that's... is odd because he's a Cal guy. He he was a three year starter at quarterback for Cal, and now he's coaching at Stanford. So it's kind of. You know, it's one and the same to me. <laughs> they well, both stink. Then, yeah, but not to each other. That, yeah, I don't know. I I, I feel like uh, it's a I feel like it's a good hire as far as getting somebody who's you know not an NFL guy in there. I think you probably need a college dude in there. You yeah. know, and I, I just I don't have any faith in Stanford, man. Like to get behind the whole the way college football is now. Like with yeah. the NIL and the transfer portal and all that. I just, I don't see Stanford jumping on board with any of that. So I hope this guy does well and has, you know, a good career and whatever Stanford turns back into a good team. But I just, I think he's got an uphill battle. Yeah. I, I think he's looking at it as, hey, if I can go here and within three seasons, if I can get to eight wins in the Pac 12 or whatever is left in the Pac 12 at that point, maybe like a stepping stone job. Um, I, you know, for a guy who's been, uh, FBS assistant and FCS head coach. This may be kind of a foot in the door moment for him. Uh, and then also today, uh, Purdue hired Ryan Walters, who is Illinois' defensive coordinator for the last two seasons. He, I don't know much about he, him other than they the improved. Bro- is he the Broyles winner this year? No, he was a finalist. Okay. All right. Um, I've been so ejected from college football the last week with the winter meetings going on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's yeah, I believe he was a Royals finalist. Um, he, okay. all right. So he showed up there. He he got hired uh, by Brett Bielema when he showed up. So I don't know much about him other than he's you know like any other coach. He's coached at a bunch of different places. He showed up there. They made great strides defensively last year, and then again this season they finished first in FBS in scoring defense, and I believe second or third in total defense uh, in terms of yards per game. So he is Impressive. moving on to Purdue. So. We'll see what he can do there. Uh, you know, if you're that's a, a little bit surprising for Purdue, you know, a high a flying bit. air raid offense to go with a defensive head coach. I was a little bit surprised there. Yeah, but they also may be looking around at the rest of the Big Ten West going, uh, we should maybe get on board with <laughs> being able to stop some people. And yeah, indeed. So, oh man. Um, and then Auburn hired two coordinators that I know nothing about, but they're, they're coordinators and, and we'll see what they do. Uh, so bowl yeah, games. I mean, he's put he's he's putting his staff together. Uh, you know, we'll we'll cover that. Uh, we'll cover more of that when we do the conference previews. You know, coming into next season. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. See, I don't know anything about either of these guys that is is notable other than their football coaches. So that'll be something we cover <laughs> at a later date. Okay. Also, this week, Jason, we're starting some bowl games most of which this week in this first chunk that we're covering, a lot of people aren't going to care about, but I found some pretty interesting matchups and games that could be fun. First one is on the 16th, uh, which is 
Friday is the Cure Bowl between UTSA and Troy, who are both 11 and 2. And the Cure Bowl, the last handful of years, has been generally a really good game. Um, Northern Illinois and Coastal Carolina played last year. That was a fantastic game. That back and forth the whole way, it came down to the last play. I want to say Coastal played Liberty in that game as well a couple seasons ago. So I'm looking forward to that one. I actually thought briefly about trying to get tickets to go down to it because it's only a couple hours down the road in Orlando. But Wouldn't be a uh, bad watch. I, I like Troy in that game. I mean, just off the cuff, you know, I, I kind of like Troy to win that. I, you know. Yeah, I looked this morning. I don't know if it's moved or not. I want to say, if I remember right, they were favored by one or one and a half. So it's expected yeah, it's, to be a competitive game. Yeah, it hasn't really moved. Um, you know, if you're a UTSA person, you want to take a money line bet. It's really not all that great a value, but it's, you know, plus 106. But uh, yeah, it opened at one and a half and it's still there. But uh, I, do, <laughs> I, I do like the over 55 and a half. I will say that. But uh, I, I like Troy in that game. Uh, next up Saturday, the Fenway bowl. And this is, I bring this up cause there's a little bit of an oddity, uh, Cincinnati at Louisville or versus Louisville and Scott Satterfield is coaching neither team. Um, yeah, the Satterfield bowl. So I thought that was kind of strange. I don't know how that game's going to go. I, that's one of those. I would have to look and see who is actually opting out and who is playing. My guess yeah, is Malik I, I Cunningham will not play. See, I looked at that and I couldn't find anything that said he was or was not playing yet. I don't know if we know that for sure. However, I, this is one of those things where like, it's almost where you feel like, man, like Louisville, they got to be just like, eh, we want to beat the shit out of them because that's where coach is headed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, would yeah. you, if you're a player, would you be thinking that? I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, if I'm not. a player in that game, like I absolutely coming out hair on fire. Like I want to wreck these dudes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So, you know, I, it's again, it's another close line. It's one right now. It's a one point yeah. line. So, yeah. So I, I will at least start watching that one. We'll see how long I hang in there with two interim coaches. I may switch over to the <laughs> celebration bowl, which is in Atlanta, the HBCU national championship, effectively uh, Jackson state versus North Carolina central. That'll be Deion Sanders's last game at Jackson state could be an interesting one. Uh, SMU BYU. I'm not super thrilled about. Or same thing with uh, Wazoo and Fresno State, uh, the Los Angeles Bowl. That might be all right. Might check that one out. Uh, I'm a little a, bit. I've got to look at that as to why Fresno State is more than a field goal favorite here. I I don't know if that's via opt outs or. I would imagine what, what the deal is. I, I don't understand that line. It opened at Fresno State plus four and a half, and now it's all the way up to Fresno State minus three and a half. So <laughs> I would have to look at that as to why that is. Yeah, uh, I would I would think that's a opt-out slash portal uh, driven so. movement would be my yeah. guess without actually looking into it myself. Because if there were no opt-outs, I would be much more opt to take uh, you know Washington State there. Yeah, yeah, me too. So. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Should be an interesting matchup if Fresno State can actually play offense that day. Y- yeah, one never knows with them. Um, <laughs> so the last one Saturday I'm kind of looking at is I've been following the line on Oregon State versus Florida. You know, we've talked about Oregon State. They're a good team. Uh, those guys mm-hmm. can play. They what they finished nine and three, I believe. Yes, um, they did. They're going to face a Florida team that has had some guys hit the portal and some guys opt out. They're going to be starting their third string quarterback. 
it's gone from seven to, I think last I saw was 10 or 10 and a half. And I'm still not sure that's enough. I, I think Oregon state might just go out and dismantle these guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's a shorter road trip for Oregon state, which strangely that it's in Las Vegas, but man, I, I'm with you. It's kind of like one of those things where you're like, well, shit, man, Florida, they got an sec caliber defense at least, you know, they didn't really get blown out by anybody this year. You know, Tennessee didn't hang, you know, 70 on them or anything. I mean, they hung with Tennessee the whole game. Mm-hmm. You just wonder if all these opt outs on offense and things like that. I mean, they're, you know, they still got some running backs. They're still, they should still be able to run the ball. Yeah. They run so, the ball. Well, I mean, they're good yeah. up front. They, they have running, I, but I feel know, like if this was an in in season matchup, that Florida would be favored no matter where they were. So uh, they could. I mean, you look at Florida. Okay, yeah, six and six. That's pretty average. But they they had a tough schedule. I mean, look at their yeah. losses: Georgia, yeah, Tennessee. You know, beat Utah. Who else? They lose? I think they lost to Kentucky. Yeah, LSU as well. So yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things, man. Like I just don't know that even a third string quarterback is worth. Ten and a half points, man. That's a that's a lot. So I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what Napier does in that game. That is one that I've kind of circled that I want to watch because I just I would love to see Oregon State go out and win and get to double digit wins this year. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't shock me for you know Napier to play spoiler there and get some momentum headed into next year. Yeah, yeah me either. Monday, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Marshall versus UConn. I only bring that up because UConn is actually bowl eligible in Jim Morris' first season. Uh, yet he was not a coach of the year finalist. Uh, the a- a- AFCA or a- APCA. Um, yeah, I thought that was thought that was a mistake. I thought that was a snub. I, getting a team that has won four games in the last three seasons uh, to six and six. I don't you know, know man. Include- I'm, I, I mean, it is a good achievement, but you can't. You can't give him the nod over somebody like Sonny Dykes, you know, who I'm not saying over Sonny Dykes. I think he should have been one of the eight or nine guys that were finalists, though. Ah, okay. Well now, yeah, that I would agree with. I mean, you no, can't I'm not saying he should have been the coach of the year, but I'm just like, yeah. you know, the finalist list comes out and it's it's like did did Kirby Smart really do a better job of coaching this year than Jamora? I don't Well I man, I just no, don't put I don't put as much stock into quick turnarounds anymore because of the transfer portal. Like I get that well, in it's, general, it's a sure. great jump. To, many, it's a great, it's a great jump to go from four wins in three years to six wins in year one. But when you can literally replace your entire roster overnight in the transfer portal, it's like, man, how, how hard was that really? Were you out recruiting all these players that you're developing and getting your team to six wins? Or did you get, you know, 12 fucking transfers who couldn't start for Alabama or whoever. And you came in and you crushed a bunch of weak teams and you got to six wins. You know what I mean? Like, does that not trying to do what more has done here? But no, I get I what just, you're saying. I, I just don't know that yeah. he has been, that he was a load up in the transfer portal guy. I, I think by and large, it's the same dudes that were just sucking hind tit for the last three seasons for the most part. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe so. So I, I guess next year will be the true test um, as far Indeed. as sustaining anything. Uh, next Tuesday, I forget which one of these is first. And one of these is going to be, uh, as we're recording next week, Liberty versus Toledo. Yeah, that's uh, 730 Eastern. So yeah. yeah, so I think that's the one. And that's the one game I would probably be tempted to watch. I'd, Eastern Michigan, San Jose State doesn't do much for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... But, 
But next Wednesday, the 21st, the New Orleans Bowl, uh, Western Kentucky versus South Alabama does have the potential to be quite a bit of fun. Depending oh, yeah. on yeah. who plays, I think Western Kentucky. I think I read somewhere Western Kentucky's quarterback is maybe hitting the portal to go to a yes. uh, power five yes, school. He is. Yeah. So if he's Correct. not playing, then it's different. Uh, South Alabama is a really good team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, double digit wins this season. They've had a good season. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're ten four and, and a half. They're a four and a half point favorite at the moment. It's down a field goal from where it started. So I, I don't know. I don't really have anything on who's going to win. But yeah. you know, I, I'll be. Uh, this is one of those things, man. Like, like you said, with, with with everything that happened with Leach, I just and with the transfer portal, it's gotten to the point where you don't even like betting on bowl games, man. It's too risky, you know. No, we kind of found that out last year. Is just doing picks yeah. on the show was everything yeah. was just a mess. Where you know, where I'm pulling for Virginia Tech's third string quarterback to beat yeah. uh, who was it Maryland, I think Rutgers, somebody. It, is bad. Yeah. So if if you're a listener, t- t- just save your money. <laughs> yeah. Do yourself a favor. Stick to the NFL if you're going to bet for a while. Yeah. Don't college. Don't bet on bowl games. Non-playoff yeah. bowl games. Don't bet on week one, and don't bet no. on on week twelve. Yeah. Week twelve. <laughs> yeah. We should have taken week twelve. Off we should have taken our own advice. You know, week twelve when. You know, a lot of teams are playing kind of, you know, warm up games or buy in games. You know, half the SEC yep. is playing FCS schools. And so many yep. teams, I think, are looking ahead to the big rivalry week game that week 12 is just a, it's too much of a crapshoot. Don't bet on week 12. Don't bet on the early bowl games. Uh, but you can watch them. And I think Western Kentucky versus South Alabama has potential to be one that you want to watch. South Alabama is really good. They're, they're 10 and two. Their losses are at UCLA and I think by three to Troy. Um, yeah, and that UCLA are, game, and they were winning up until the last drive. Like UCLA kicked a game-winning field goal. Yeah, they lost by one at UCLA um, early, yeah, kind of early right. on. So they're a sneaky yeah. good team, and they have, I believe, a first-year head coach as well. So that is the bowl games. So we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, our friends at DraftKings. And when we come back, uh, I talked earlier about the script. We're just going to go off script. And as a tribute to Mike Leach, who uh, – obviously passed away today at age 61. We're not going to stick to any script and we're just going to talk and wherever the conversation goes, we will follow. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. And I love doing the same game parlays. Uh, they've got easy and fast payouts. You know, they've got lots of different options, player props, all kinds of things that you could bet on. So right now, new customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, etc. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the sh- your shot to win big. So I always like to play multiple parlays. You know, I throw out a five or six leg, par- leg parlay every week. And sometimes it pays off for me, sometimes it doesn't. But man, when those do hit, it's 
there's no better feeling than knowing you bet, you know, whatever it may be, five bucks, and you end up winning 50 or 60. Or, you know, if you're a big better and you throw down 50 bucks and you win five or 600, it's just, it's a really good, uh, fun time when those actually hit. So, so hopefully you've hit a couple of those this year or you're willing to lay down some cash on the NFL games this weekend and hit one or two. Uh, but now to hit any of those, the first thing you got to do is you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. And then you got to place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply there, so check out our show notes for those details. Welcome back uh, for part two of the kind of the meat of the Mike Leach tribute episode, uh, formerly known as Bowl Mania Part One. Jason, uh, news came out, I guess, Sunday night, maybe, um, that, yeah. uh, that he had had what was described as a, a personal health condition issue uh, and was being transported to the hospital. And things looked pretty dire, to be honest, uh, kind of from the outset. And then obviously, the, the official word comes out today that uh, Coach Leach passed away at age 61 this afternoon, or I guess last night. And, like, I don't even know where to start. Will we ever see anyone as unique as him on the college football sideline? I can't imagine we will. No, and that's that's one thing that makes this so difficult, I guess, you know, is the fact that he was such like a wild card, like just a one in a million type of personality. You know, you just, you don't see guys with personalities like that who can also coach the shit out of some football. And a lot of people feel like who, and I I felt this way too. Like if you ever gave him a shot at a big time job, like he could win championships, but you know, a lot of people think because of his demeanor and things like that, he was better set to have the kind of obscure job like Washington state or Mississippi state, I think he would have been fine wherever you stick him. I think it does not matter as long as you can, you know, sort of tolerate the the craziness and the, the funny press conferences and his demeanor, you know, then you're going to win some football games like that. Just, I, I don't think we'll see another one like him at least, you know, not, not with that kind of level of knowledge of just the wildest shit you could imagine. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I feel like if he had been born 40 years later, he would have never been a football coach. Like he would have never gotten a chance and gotten his foot in the door. Probably so. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, in the, in the late eighties when you, you can kind of work your way up through the, you know, Iowa Wesleyan Valdosta state type of places and, and latch on with a guy like Hal mummy and then work your way up to, you know, coordinator, coordinator, get a, at the time, kind of a, a, a smaller FBS school like Texas Tech, uh, a little kind of off the, not off the grid, but sort of out of the limelight, certainly. Th- that's the thing I don't think he ever got enough credit for is his his last three jobs. I mean, those are hard places to win. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Texas Tech is not an easy place to win, especially when he coached there. And you're talking about Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, they were in there with Texas A&M uh, for, for a brief while. It's, you know, then you go to Washington State. It's hard to win in Washington State. 
Oh yeah, and there was a lot of a lot of people uh, within the University of Washington State that were not happy with his hiring because of how much he was getting paid. You know, he was he became the highest paid state official. You know, in the state, he was making like five million, and they were like, "What? That's like you know." 17% of our current athletic budget, you know, like that's crazy. And, you know, the athletic director pulled some strings and made it happen. And, you know, they ended up going to the fucking Rose bowl, you know? Yeah. So like, it, it seems like the shit was always against him, but he always would win you over. You know, like I remember when I first started watching Mike Leach and I was just kind of like, man, what is this gimmicky air raid offense that we run here? This is trash. Like never run the ball, whatever. And, this guy seems like he's an asshole. He's cussing his players and whatever. And then you kind of, you start to listen to what he's saying. And you're like, man, he's actually making a lot of sense. And he calls it like he sees it. And I think that's something we are sorely missing in today's society is people who call it like it actually is. Yeah. You know? For for better or worse. I mean, he's had some yeah. missteps as far as putting his foot in his mouth over oh, the yeah. years, like, like most oh, yeah. people, but that's the cool thing that I've noticed the last like day and a half is, you know, if you want to truly understand kind of how original and unique and quirky this guy was, <laughs> everybody, everybody associated with college football has a Mike Leach, a Mike Leach story. Oh yeah. Ev everybody. And the cool thing about them is if it was any other FBS head football coach, you would read that story and, you know, like you're going to substitute in, you know, Shane Beamer or Chip Kelly or Kirk Ferentz, the story doesn't work. It, it no. is 100% not believable, <laughs> no. but, but then, you know, you, you read that story and knowing that it's Mike Leach, it's like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Indeed. It is believable. And you know, he's kind of, he's kind of in that Tyson zone, uh, I think yes. is, is what it's called where, you know, for those unfamiliar, I think it was Bill Simmons, maybe, um, kind of originated the, the Tyson zone, which is when a, <laughs> a person of some celebrity or notoriety has had so many bizarre things happen to them that you, know, you read a story, you read a story, uh, that would ordinarily not be like real believable, but since it's that person, you sort of believe it. Right. Um, you know, like Mike Tyson got a, oh, he got a face tattoo, right. Or, or someone had to repossess his pet tigers or some, you know, other, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. I get it. And Leach is kind of like that. Like, I, you know, I was reading a story today about how he was, he was walking somewhere. He was a walker. A lot of people don't know that he, like he walked to and from work most days. Uh, mm -hmm. He was walking somewhere. And I believe this was in his time at Wazoo and he noticed some footprints in the snow. And he couldn't tell if they were, he, he suspected they were raccoon footprints. Mm -hmm. So of course him being a, a very inquisitive and curious person, he wanted to figure out, well, where, where's this raccoon at now? <laughs> so this dude is, is tracking, like he's following these raccoon footprints through the snow for like half. He's walking through people's backyards and empty lots and, you know, trying to figure out where this, cause he just wanted to know where the raccoon went. <laughs> You know, and, and it's so random, so random, but it's like, you ever read his book? Swing your sword. I actually yeah. have it, but I have not read it yet. I have I, not I, gotten to it. It's, it's on my list of uh, things to read. I do own it though. I, I read it uh, a number of years ago and the, the one story that stuck out and this won't be much of a spoiler because it's pretty early. It's one of the very kind of first anecdotes in the book. And it, it ends with childhood Mike Leach peeing on some neighborhood dog. 
And I don't even remember what the what the conflict was, but his solution was to at some point just just pee on the dog. Just um, urinate on the dog. That'll fix it. And it was a very Mike Leach story, I, I kind of found. But mm. so I don't know. What what's your favorite like Leach ism, like the like his press conference or post game stuff? Man, I still I find myself constantly going back to the mascot discussion. Yeah. The ma- the ma- the mascot discussion was just it was immaculate. It was perfect. I mean, he's talking about, you know, the coog and you know, crafty and it's gonna stay out of harm's way and take a shot at, you know, winning a fight when he gets a chance. But he's talking about it, you know, a Ute. Is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? <laughs> Did he trade? Has for he a traded rifle? for a rifle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he's, the duck's going to lose interest and just get out of there. <laughs> you know, these, like the craziest shit, like what kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? That's something we've got to figure out. You know, we've got to come up with, you know, we got to talk to one of those Harry Potter nerds to figure that out. Like just such a random off the wall type of shit or how coffee is a terrible experience overall. So just give it to me straight black. Don't, don't church it up. Right, it's it's unsalvageable. So just why bother wasting the time and energy to to try to make it yes. not awful? I, I think my favorite one is the one about the hands from this season. <laughs> the the yeah, they're not going to have any hands because they're not using them. Yeah, he he was he was unimpressed with his team's uh, level of physicality against Alabama this season. And yeah, his guys didn't use their hands, and he used like a third of his post game press conference to to speculate on whether or not future generation of Mississippi State Bulldog players will actually lose their hands due to lack of use if the, if that like evolutionary trait you know and he's showing like genuine concern like you know two generations down here and you see a bunch of large like really friendly pleasant you know cuz we've got great kids here these athletic looking guys they don't have any hands you know, cause their granddad never used them. And so, so biology just sort of took them away and, you know, and then he starts talking about dinosaurs and it's just, I was, I saw it on Twitter like that night. I was, I think my wife had gone to bed early cause I was still watching football and I was just sitting there in a laptop, probably halftime of, of one of the evening games or something watching this clip of him talking about his players and their offspring losing their hands due to evolution. And and I was just speechless. I had just like this blank stare. Like this is, this is an all timer, even for him. (laughs) It's like comedy gold at its finest. You're just like lost in it. Like I can't, it's, it's a train wreck, but I can't stop watching, you know, you know, but that was a lot of his press conferences. Like I can't, I can't stress enough. Like the, one of my favorites was when he's, absolutely crushing his own fan base at Washington state talking about, we've got the, you know, the excitement and the, you know, well, I forget how he said it exactly. It's like, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game, you know, <laughs> and just crushing his fan base saying that like, it's pathetic, like nobody cares. And he's just sickened by it. <laughs> you know, you just tell he's sick over it. He wasn't very good at hiding his like obvious disgust with some things. The, I think the last no. Leach interview I saw was their game against Georgia. And it was one of those halftime going into the locker room brief interviews they do with the, the on-field reporter. And Mississippi State had, had not 
they'd had two or three calls, kind of close calls or maybe missed calls go against them in the call it, I don't know, last half of the second quarter. And and he was not happy with with those calls and, and the officiating in general. And I don't know if you if you saw this one, but they're walking into the tunnel and the the poor sideline reporters like sprinting along with them and well you know coach what do you it, it looks like you spent a lot of time talking to the officials are you is there do you have some some concerns or disagreements and and he's like you're you tell me what do you, you tell me what you think you're watching the same guy same game I'm watching you, so yeah, you just yeah. you just decide what you think about the about it and then you can just comment on it uh, you know <laughs> he's been fined a couple of times for for openly criticizing. Uh, officiating to media. Oh yeah, uh, uh, there was a uh, 2007, I believe, that crazy wild season that we had uh, in 07, where two loss LSU wins up winning the title. He got fined back back in 07 for basically saying that the refs screwed Texas Tech out of a win against Texas in order for Texas to go to a BCS bowl game because it would be more money for the conference, and the conference fined the shit out of him. Yeah, he he openly speculated that that game was fixed. Like yeah, at the, at like the, the, the head referee lives in lives in Austin. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite thing that I've seen, you know, on Twitter is like, you know, you see a lot of the coaches that are putting out stuff about him. Like Kiffin wrote a nice little thing about him, and uh, Nick Saban, the, what he said about him, he's like, I I was never sure where our conversations were going, but they always made me smile, and that's that's kind of how I feel like everybody was with Leach. Like anybody that watched him, it's like. You don't really know where he's going with this tank, but I feel like at the end it's going to be good. Yeah, you just got to be willing. To, you know, he's a guy like I have faith that this conversation will end up, you know, in a place that is fun and interesting. I just got to have the patience to let it get there, right? Yeah, like he's talking the, about how the Vikings made it down into Italy and they were trying to go fight the Romans. You know, <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, right, right. At a, at a post game press conference. Yeah, like that. You were asked about how your offensive line was doing. You're talking about the Vikings fighting the Romans. You know that doesn't make any sense. But just so so out there, so great, man. I don't know. I, I've been a leech guy for a long time, man, and I know you have too. So this is yeah. It's one of those things, man. I know it's a part of life, but to go at 61, so young like that, when you know, three weeks ago the guys coaching football and recruiting and doing all the shit like that, and then just boom gone it's yeah three weeks ago he's winning the egg bowl yeah yeah Um, and that you know that is one thing that you can say like the dude went out in his own way on top you know he won a rivalry game against Finn and just winning i mean i know it doesn't say much for a lot of teams but winning eight games at mississippi state is impressive in any season i mean i don't Mm -hmm. so for him to do that that's really impressive but i don't know what you think about this I didn't look until today at the coaching tree under Leach. Oh yeah, have you taken a look at his coaching yeah. tree and how how fucking impressive it is? Like, he, yeah, that's had, that's one of the things I had I no idea. Down. Like, listen to some of these names: Dave Aranda, yep, Art Bryles, which you know, whatever. We, aside from Bryles' his bullshit at Baylor, he you know he he's a good football coach. Uh, Sonny Dykes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dana Holgerson, Lincoln Riley. I mean, Neil Brown, Josh Heupel, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> I mean, Jesus yeah, so Christ. He had, he had Sonny Dykes, Aranda, and Holgerson on the same staff at Texas Tech. And Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley were on the roster. 
kind of kind of all at once. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Heupel was his quarterback at Oklahoma in his one year as the OC there, which is actually my favorite. Not you know Leach soundbite or Leach interview, but my favorite Leach story is it, the Red River game in 1999. His one year as the Oklahoma offensive coordinator, Bob Stoops' first season. Leach gets the idea. <laughs> Uh, and you know, football fans know that a lot of times teams will script the first, however many offensive plays, right. And they'll work that script and practice during the week. Hey, here's the plays we're going to run. Here's more or less the order we're going to run them in. So, you know, that's why you see a lot of opening drive scoring, not necessarily maybe more, uh, than like the third or fourth drive. And, you know, they're no different. Now his playbook is not particularly deep to begin with. Um, a lot of the air raid stuff, especially early on, it's a base package of about 24 plays. Uh, it, it's five or six different formations, five or six different plays, you know, route combinations out of each of those. So 1999 Red River game, Oklahoma, Texas, he comes up with his scripted plays. He also comes up with a kind of bizarro or opposite day uh, play script sheet. So basically, like if I wanted, to stop this play, I would line up in a certain way. And those plays on that separate sheet uh, would put the the defense in kind of a position to not be able to defend the place he really wanted to run, right? So he kind of threw a red herring out there. So he generates this fake script for his opening, however many offensive plays. And at some point during the pregame, he, he leaves it somewhere it can be easily found. And by the time yeah, Texas- like leave, leaves it on the opposing sideline like- like by the bench or something. Yeah. But by the time Texas realizes that they've been had, they're down 17, nothing in the first quarter. <laughs> and I just, I can only imagine like how much mileage he got out of telling that story. Like just imagining the look on his face. I mean, can you imagine being on that sideline and being leech and watching these fools trying to run the defense to these script, fake scripted play calls and you're just throwing touchdowns and it's just easy. And he's thinking, God, these idiots. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's gotta be a super satisfying moment, you know, it has to be. And it makes sense to you know, knowing about the guy, you know, among his dozens and dozens of interests and things he finds fascinating and wants to learn more about is, you know, a lot of, of military history, Pat and uh, George Washington, Sun Tzu. So this kind of, you know, tactical maneuver uh, would be something I could absolutely see him taking a great deal of joy in. So we talked about Mike Leach, the person who is, you know, in my opinion, not just in college football, but in any sport, basically ever one of the more unique personality, unique and enjoyable personalities. Oh yeah. And I mean, this, this, he, he certainly knew a lot about a lot, you know, he's that type of guy. I mean, he, before we move into the football side of this, mm-hmm. which I assume that's where you're headed. Yeah. That's kind of where we're Something, going. Something I didn't realize about him that I read today, actually on Wikipedia, was uh, that during the spring of 2019, Leach co-taught a five-week seminar at mm-hmm. Washington State on insurgent warfare and football strategies. Yeah. <laughs> How many football coaches you know are teaching shit about insurgent warfare? Like, it just, well, wow, man. The dude well, was probably, just, Yeah, probably the only ones who went to law school like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. You know, how, how many power five coaches do you think ever coached a season of professional football in Finland? <sighs> yeah. Like if zero. I, had, if I had asked you that, like, Hey, which, which current 
college football head coach has coached professionally in Finland. Like you would think for like five seconds, I can't imagine you would answer anybody but Mike Leach. Yeah, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, pretty crazy. But yeah, moving, moving. Yeah, go ahead and move into the football side of it though. And the football side is, you know, because he is uh, such an interesting and unique personality, and he's given college football fans a lot of mileage over the years. I think he gets underrated as a football coach, Um, you know, and he deserves all the 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 fond memories and kind words that he's gotten uh, as far as who Mike Leach is as the person, but it really kind of overshadows what he's done on the sidelines. So I'll just run through it quick at Texas tech 84 and 43, no losing seasons uh, in 10 years, Washington state. He was there from 2012 to 2019. He went 55 and 47, went to six bowl games, uh, winning two of them. And then at Mississippi state, last three seasons, he was 19 and 17. So all of those places are not particularly easy to win. In that time, he's been the Big 12 Coach of the Year, the Pac-12 Coach of the Year twice. He has coached three Sammy Baugh Trophy winners and two John Unitas Award winners. I forget which one is which. One of those is specifically senior quarterbacks. I think that is the Sammy Baugh Trophy. And then the other one is just most outstanding quarterback. Um, You know, prolific offense even as an assistant, uh, you know, places like Kentucky and Valdosta State, uh, just putting up huge numbers. And well, when you talk I about mean, this like coaching said, tree, and yes, you know, he he has changed offensive football at every level uh, over the course of oh, the last yeah. fifteen years. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's like the godfather of the air raid, man. I mean it just and that you know what's funny, like I used to like childhood story, okay. When I was, I say childhood, it was more like, well, I was still basically a child early in my time when I had first met you, you know, back in like 2006, 2007 timeframe. It's funny because, you know, we were basically kids and we used to play NCAA football on PlayStation, you know, and it's funny because I didn't know much about Mike Leach back then or, you know, whatever, but I would always get Texas Tech. Because every receiver on their team was like a 90-plus overall, and it didn't matter what quarterback you had in there. You could just sling it all over the field, and no one could stop you. And yeah, I was It never like, mattered man. what quarterback he had either. No, it didn't. And it's kind of one of those – it's like, man, it just – he could go and get a dude off the street, and the guy would throw for 5,000 yards. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing how he was able to – develop that offense and make it into a thing that actually stuck and still works yeah. today. I, I remember Gardner Minshew talking about this, right? Cause he, he played at Eastern Carolina. He was, he was ironically enough, he was an ECU pirate, um, you know, graduates and his plan is to go be a, a GA at Alabama. He's got that all lined up. He's like, he's going to get his foot in the coaching door. He's going to go be a grad assistant at Alabama under Saban with the, all those guys thinking, you know, I'm done with football and, you know, Leach gets a hold of him. says, Hey, you know, what are your, what are your plans? You got another year of eligibility. And, you know, I know you already graduated. He's like, well, I'm going to go do this. And, and Leach tells him, all right, well, I mean, if you want to go to do that, you know, more power to you. That sounds like a great opportunity. If you change your mind and decide that you want to, you know, lead the nation in passing yards, <laughs> give me, give me a call. We can set something up up here at Washington state. So he eventually changes his mind. Um, and goes to Washington state and leads the nation in passing yards and still in the NFL today, you know, so kind of a, a, what could have been. And, you know, you just look at even 
NFL all the way down to a lot of high schools here in Georgia run a version, not necessarily scaled down, but a version um, of his offense, right? Well, look at who the, yeah, man, look at who the number one passing leader in the NFL is right now. Patty Mahomes, Mm -hmm. where'd he come from? Texas tech, you know, I mean, it just, he comes from that type of team, that type of offense. And he leads the NFL in passing right now. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, a lot of high schools do it because like I said, it's not, it's not particularly complex. There's not a whole lot of different, different reads. It's, you know, here's your, here's your formations, right? X, Y, Z, H. And, you know, our, our high school ran it for, you know, a handful of years until a coaching change. And then they, you know, they changed it up. But a, a lot of schools, particularly teams we play, uh, run some sort of version of not even necessarily kind of the spread RPO stuff, but the straight, you know, air raid where at the high school level, they're throwing it 45 times a game. You know, even in the NFL, oh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of elements of his, you know, not just players or coaches, but just, of his scheme. I just, I, Oh yeah. It's going to be a long time. If ever, uh, that we, we see someone impact the game quite as drastically as he did. Indeed. I mean, you, you like, I mean, similar impacts to that. It's like, you got to think about all the way back to where, like, you know, like take where like bear Bryant starts running the wishbone type stuff at Alabama or Kiffin changes the whole offense in Alabama and they start running the spread like that's two that have impacted you know my team and their lifetime but fuck man like leach he changed the whole game for everybody i mean it's Mm. i don't know it's it's pretty wild man just his footprint goes well beyond just the teams he coached yeah certainly i mean you know you look at the ap poll or the the final cfp rankings and you got you know sunny dyke sitting there at number three lincoln riley just about made the playoff um yeah, they finished. They finished what sixth? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, just a guy who who much like that that Johnny Cash song. He he seems like he's been everywhere. He's got a story for every place he's ever been. Um, <laughs> I he would be one hundred percent the the first name on my Mount Rushmore of sports figures to sit on the back porch and have a beer with. Oh yeah, sit, sit, sit around the bonfire. Like he would be my first pick. And then after that, nah, you guys, yeah, you guys can fight it out. You know, Bobby Bowden would be in there for me. <laughs> yeah, um, probably so. I mean, like Leach, he and you might not even talk about football. Like that's the that's the fun thing about Leach. Yeah. Like you can sit right, and have a beer fine. with Leach and not even yeah. discuss football for like nine hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just pretty wild. He was a out there dude, man. And I, I sure am uh, gonna uh, miss college football with him in the mix. Yeah, it you know it, it's going to be much different going forward, and not in, not in the good way. My only hope is is no one uh, currently coaching college football tries to take over that mantle and and be you know not be who they are. I don't think anybody. Could. Yeah, no, I don't think. I mean, well, no, I don't think anyone could. Yeah, no. Sometimes I feel like Harbaugh tries to be a little like that. <sighs> Harbaugh, and I he's think just, he's just an idiot. He's just not the guy. He's just yeah. I think he's just kind he's of a idiot. different, different kind of goofy. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. That's kind of all that I really had about Leach. I like I say, you know, our, our thoughts here certainly go out to his wife and kids and family and, uh, you know, all the Mississippi state fans and certainly anybody who ever had any kind of dealings with him. And like I say, man, college football as a whole took an L, uh, today. So, yeah, it's been, 
my my to-do list my my chores around the house has not i have not made much progress in the last 36 i spent a lot more time than i realized just you just sit on twitter and search keyword leech and just read all just read everyone's leech stories it i mean oh, it's yeah. a really good look into the window of of who he was not just as a coach but as a person and you know a big loss for the college football world so uh Indeed. with that I think we'll maybe wrap it up for this week. Um, next week, we're going to have another batch. I think we're looking, Jason, at something like 12 or 13 games, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something along those lines. And, you know, we'll we'll get more in-depth to those next week because, obviously, this was uh, a little bit of a an ode to Leach, and we wanted to take some time and talk about him. But uh, next week, we will certainly be a little bit more prepared to dive into games and results and – maybe take a look ahead to the new year six we'll see but uh yeah that that's on the docket for next week well without uh or with no more further ado i think we will call it a week it's it's been a long couple of days and not particularly pleasant so uh everybody stay safe out there and we will see you middle of next week talking about some bowl games take care later thank you very much have a great day